Hello, Consumed listeners. Welcome to the 19th season of the podcast about eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers across California, and especially at its heart, the Central Coast. For this season, I'm chatting with food and beverage legends, people who have made a significant impact on their industries and the palates of generations to come. I think you're going to love it. But before we begin, I want to tell you about some of the Consumed Podcast sponsors. Consumed is sponsored by Mid-State Containers, Cargo Storage Containers, and Refrigerated Shipping Containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how Mid-State Containers could change your life, but the truth is many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use Mid-State for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods for private collections and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. Mid-State Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop-up coffee bars and berry containers for root sellers. My guest from Season 10, Krista Flieger, from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her Mid-State Container for an office on her property. Other ideas include schoolrooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored, and processed in a Mid-State Container, so use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote, midstatecontainers.com. We all know eating fruits and veggies is an important part of staying healthy. Fresh, local produce has the most flavor and nutrition, but how do you know what's in season locally? Become part of the Tally community as a member of the Tally Farms Box Program. Tally grows their produce and partners with other California farmers to include the freshest and best-tasting local produce you can find anywhere. Farming on the Central Coast since 1948, the Tally family created the Tally Farms Box to make healthy eating easy and affordable. Here's how it works. Select which size box you want, then choose pickup or home delivery and how often you want to get your box. It's flexible for customization and vacation holds, and included in all boxes are tested recipes and storage recommendations. Come be a part of Tally's healthy lifestyle. Visit tallyfarmsbox.com and use promo code CONSUMED for $10 off your first box. That's promo code CONSUMED for $10 off. Eat fresh, eat local, and eat lots of California fruits and veggies for better health. Okay, on to the episode. If you don't recognize the name Susie Rigetti, you might recognize her two iconic businesses. She is the founder of Susie Q Brand, a purveyor of Santa Maria-style barbecue seasonings, pinquito beans, salsas, and jerky. And along with her family members, she is co-owner of the Far Western Tavern in Santa Maria. I chose Susie as one of this season's legends because she grew up hanging out in the Far Western's dining room and kitchens, and she knows both Santa Maria and barbecue. Also, family lore says that her family line dates back to the De Anza expedition along the California coastline and predates the Declaration of Independence. If that doesn't make her a legend, I don't know what will. We talked about what makes Santa Maria-style barbecue different, important, and delicious. And we discussed the evolution of the Far Western Tavern, too, which moved from its original building in Guadalupe to its new location in Orchid just a few years ago. Enjoy my talk with Susie Rigetti, whom I spoke with at her beautiful home in Santa Maria. You, what I know 
from our mutual friend, James Onaveros, who yes. is just the best. Um, you, like you said, you have a long family history in this area. How far back can you trace your, your ancestors? My ancestors, um, on my mother's side, uh, supposedly go back to the De Anza Trek. Wow. On, on her father's side. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. So before California was, I mean, part of the U.S. Yeah. Incredible. Right. And, uh, then on her maternal side, um, they're Swiss Italians and Italians, and they go back to the, you know, in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. So, well, what was it like to? This is a silly question because you can't answer it. But what is it like to be born into a family that has such a rich history? Did you know that it was a big deal when you were growing up? No, I we did not know it was a big deal growing up. It was just who we were and you know we were always surrounded by family and huge amounts of family in those days and um I think it was later in life after I was married Mm -hmm. that you really start understanding what those roots mean and and how much of a part of you they are yeah did you marry somebody who's in the in the yeah you did didn't you yeah <laughs> who's in the community and right. somebody you've known yes, probably forever my, my husband Paul Rigetti we met in high school and his family goes back to the late 1800s cattle ranchers as yeah. well as my family um, and you know his aunts and my grandmother went to grammar school together mm. you know horse and buggy days and a mm. lot of history that we didn't know about until after we met definitely what is your maiden name Minetti. You are a Manetti. Yes. Okay, so here's the connection to Far Western. Yes. All right. Clarence Manetti and Rosalie Manetti were my parents, and they started the Far Western in 1958 mm. with my mother's cousins, Richard and Jean Moretti. Okay, the Manetti and the Moretti. My mother was a Moretti, married uh-huh. a Manetti. <laughs> I married a Rigetti. Oh, and God. My daughter married a Fowler, so the spell is broken. <laughs> it's finally broken. Oh, yeah, it's funny. All right, so your parents started Far Western, which is in a tradition of Santa Maria style barbecue. Um, can you tell me a bit about their decision to do that? Yes. Um, as I said, they were cattle ranchers out in the Point Sal area for, um, well, my grandfather started that. And when he passed away, my father and mother took over the cattle operation. And um, Vandenberg Air Force Base was uh, being reincarnated from Camp Cook in the old mm. days, and they took some of the um, area that we used to lease to run cattle on. Mm-hmm. So my dad decided it was time to diversify, and he loved entertaining, and he loved people, and Everyone loved him. And he decided it would be fun to have a restaurant. <laughs> crazy man. Crazy man. But he, um, his partner was the gentleman who was behind the bar. Mm-hmm. My dad was there every day in the office and then went back to the ranch. So he didn't have to deal with, you know, it, he was very involved, but he did not have to deal with customer service on a daily basis yeah. other than being the nice guy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he loved it. You know, they had it. And, you know, we still have it. So, but the original location, do I remember correctly that the Guadalupe location is the original, right? Yes. Guadalupe location is the original. Um, that building was, uh, 
is required to have um, re- seismic oh, retrofitting. Yes. And we, as a family, made a very hard decision um, to either move where there was a population base that could support it a little mm-hmm. bit better or to retrofit the building. Mm-hmm. And so we did choose to move. Um, yeah. We took many of the furnishings from the inside that made it what it was mm-hmm. with us. And uh, it has it wasn't an easy journey. Uh, it was a few very rough years, but it's really settled in, and we've yeah. gotten wonderful support from the community. Well, the food's always been, I would imagine it kind of doesn't matter where the food is made. It's by people who understand how to do it and have right. the right ingredients. Right. However, that place, I mean, I don't need to tell you, but it's very special, and I can imagine that decision was really tough. It was, and you know, we... It was with my mother and father's blessing, and a lot of people don't understand that because my father passed away um, during the process. We had not moved yet, and it was just very, very difficult. You know, he understood and he supported the decision because he was a very good businessman and he understood, Mm -hmm. but... um, a lot of people, I think, got the misconception that we as the children chose mm. to move without mm-hmm. their blessing, and that wasn't the case. Mm. And uh, But the day we opened the doors there, um, we had some uh, parties for surrounding neighbors and other businesses that, you know, had been involved in the construction. And that night of that first reception, it started raining. Mm. And this was in October, and it hadn't rained. And we just all felt like it was a sign mm. that, you know, he gave us his approval. And yeah. he's he's still a very big part of that place, mm-hmm. and my mother as well. So. Yes. So that building, do you know anything? I promise not to stay on this too long, but do you know anything about what's happening with that building then? We donated the building to the Guadalupe Napomo Dune Center. Oh my gosh, to, what a good idea. We did because um, we spoke to them and they were looking for more room to expand yep. their museum. They were doing um, a lot of the excavating of the of the uh, sphinxes from the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. set, which is adjacent to our ranch there in Guadalupe. And my dad... And mom actually remember all of that, you know, way back when they were quite young. But my mother's parents were involved with that. Mm -hmm. And um, so we thought that would be a wonderful thing rather than tearing the building down. And shortly before my mother passed in 2015, she made that decision that that's what she wanted to see done with it. And so we gave it to them. They've been trying to get some grants and different Mm -hmm. things to move forward with it, but, you know. For the retrofit. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they ran into the COVID years and all those things, and there's been some change in leadership there. So we're hopeful that that's still going to be on their horizon. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's Mm -hmm. a good connection to make. Mm -hmm. And for the listener who doesn't understand, the Ten Commandments, it was filmed by um, Cecil B. DeMille Mm -hmm. in, do you know the year? I think it was... Oh, I should do my homework. 20s or 30s? I believe it was... Okay. Yeah, someplace in that time span. Way back. Way back. Um, Way yeah, back. almost 100 years probably. Yeah. And uh, it was filmed out in the Guadalupe Napomo Dunes, mm-hmm. and uh, at least part of it was. And there are 
set pieces that have been buried under the sand That's right. for many, many years. And the Guadalupe Napomo Dune Center mm-hmm. houses those as artifacts of the Dunes yes. history. Um, but this is a great use of the Old Far Western, I would think. It would, would be wonderful. Think. It would yeah. be really wonderful if that could happen. Mm. And it would be such a nice anchor for downtown. Yes. How have you seen Guadalupe change since you were little? Um, well, it was just a, you know, leave it to beaver kind of <laughs> 1950s town is how I remember it. You know, we would walk home from school, walk to my grandmother's house who lived right in Guadalupe because we were out on the ranch. And I mean, there were bakeries, newsstands, mm. uh, dress shops, fish market grocery stores, uh, beauty shops. It was just this thriving little... Really? I can't oh, even yes. picture it. Yes. It looked huh. like a Norman Rockwell painting. It really was. Wow. And um, so over the years, I've seen the the main corridor there. Um, all of those little businesses are gone mm-hmm. for the most part, but there are new businesses that yeah. seem to come and go regularly. Um, and now the the uh, population center has moved a little bit south of town with that mm-hmm. new development mm-hmm. um, that's there, which every time I go out there, it's growing and growing. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know there's a big focus on, you know, it's such an amazing spot and capitalizing on how, on the history mm-hmm. and the accessibility of it. Um, yeah. Well, that does surprise me, though, the Leave it to Beaver thing. I I grew up in Napomo, and I've uh-huh. and that was um, I'm 45, so I just never really saw no, it like that. No, it hasn't that. been that way, and probably in your lifetime. But I was born in 1950, so mm-hmm. it was you know between the 50s and 60s. And then when Vandenberg came to town, the Old Far Western had a hotel upstairs, mm-hmm. and a lot of the contractors that came would live there that you know were just here for a short time. Yeah, but. Um, so it was a busy place. Yeah. The interior of that building, I forgive me, I have not been to the new location. Does it match or mirror, you know, that the interior of that old location was, I mean, like, if I remember correctly, red wallpaper yes. and like deep, luxurious textures and old, um, what did it feel like? Like an old parlor, kind yeah, of. it very much does. My dad kind of created his brand. I don't know where he came up with this, but he always had the red wallpaper, the red flocked wallpaper, flocked. and cowhide right. curtains. Yeah, and yeah, they went with us. Oh, and that's the bar, awesome. the bar. I believe you'd probably remember that beautiful mahogany yes. bar. It went. The bar area is smaller than the old location, but the bar is there. The red flocked wallpaper is there. Mm-hmm. There are touches of cowhide throughout. There's a beautiful collection of artwork there now of Edward mm-hmm. Boreen, the oh, Western artist yes. from Santa Barbara. Um, there's a banquet room upstairs, just like the old building. Yep. So a lot of things are similar, mm-hmm. um, just the, uh, the 2012 version. Yeah. That sounds like a very tough time between 20, let's say 2010 and... And 2020, it sounds like it's been a rough um, season. And yet, you know, here we are in your beautiful home. And um, and it seems like it's doing very well, it the restaurant. Is. It is. You know, with COVID, we um, had a really hard time getting staff back. Sure. You know, 
we were opened, uh, we've been opened at the new location, uh, I think we were closed on Mondays, but we were open for lunch and dinner every day and brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. So since COVID, we are only open for dinner Thursday through Sunday night. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's working well as a business model and it's busy all the time. Good. So as hard as it was for us to make that decision, and I know a lot of other restaurants have made the same yeah, decision. Right. We, we've kind of turned into a Thursday to Sunday kind of society. It's, yes. it's really, it's really different, but it's the new world. <laughs> it is the new world. I, I've seen that with restaurants as well, that a lot of them, the hour, the hours of operation when they changed for COVID, mm -hmm. they never changed back. And we've all kind of adjusted to that. Right. And for us, it means one crew, you know, mm -hmm. rather than two shifts or three shifts. And so I think that it's really elevated our service and everything is, is it's easier to keep it consistent because you're dealing with the same staff mm -hmm. every every day that you're open. How much involvement do you have in day-to-day -day I don't. I very seldom. Um, our, as I said, our children are involved mm -hmm. in, um, you know, they're always doing something down there. There's always something to be fixed or something in the office that my daughter's helping with. Yeah. And we're really fortunate. We have a wonderful general manager who is like my third daughter. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's just makes it all so easy yeah. and does it with the passion and the love that our family's always had for that place. Yeah, that it requires. Yes. To, yes. All right. So tell me a little bit about what Santa Maria Style Barbecue is a food way that is so unique to this area, but it's mm -hmm. also been embraced by the whole state mm -hmm. as kind of our way that we do barbecue. What, where does your family enter that story of Santa Maria style barbecue. I mean, I know that, that no one family defined it, obviously mm -hmm. not. It was mm -hmm. a, it was a whole, it was a, a part of being a cattle rancher. Right. Um, if, if I'm saying that right. Exactly. Okay. And so that was several different families, but what's the stamp maybe that your family put on it or how has, how has the, um, Rigetti and Minetti family influenced that? Or carried the banner? Um, well, I think it was my first recollection of it as a child was our brandings, you mm -hmm. know, that we would have all of our neighbors and our friends, and my dad would have this huge feast and Western music and all mm -hmm. the things that go with a great party. And I remember it then as a small child, and then I was about eight years old when he started the Far Western. So I mm. got to see it kind of go to a retail level right. at that point. And, and that inter his interpretation of that, because it was very much in his head how that place was going to look and, and all the little touches that mm. were so kitschy Western in those days. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, and then as the years went on, um, you know, we used to go help when the Santa Maria Elks Lodge used to cater the Cow Palace up in San Francisco, and they would right. feed, I don't know, 3,000, 5,000 people a day. And um, my husband Paul and I were newlyweds, and we'd go help them. And I was just so astonished by the people that were so taken with yeah. 
that thought it was so unique and it was like and you're like what this is how we eat yeah yeah and they yeah. were really taken with the pinkito beans like they mm-hmm. did not know what they were had never seen them um and so <laughs> a few years after that when my son started kindergarten it was the first time in my married life that I really had time on my hands to just kind of idly think, well, what am I going to do now? (laughs) And my husband had raised a crop of those pinkitos, and he said, why don't you market them? So Dried? uh, Dried. Yeah. And so um, that was the beginning of Susie Q's, which really immersed me in the whole Santa Maria-style barbecue thing. But um, we uh, just thought no one around here would ever buy them, you know, that... So we put them up in these beautiful little cloth bags, and and we had a friend in the packaging industry that had some lovely cartons made for me, and I had the recipe on the back of the bag printed on the canvas bag, and people started calling and wanting to know how, you know, some of the ingredients you couldn't get Mm -hmm. east of the Mississippi. So they were calling, asking what to use. And so Santa Maria Chile was here in town in those days. It was a large dehydration firm. And um, someone said, you should go talk to them and have them dehydrate your recipe. And that's exactly what we did. And I had wonderful help over the years by, there was a gentleman there named Lou Santa and Randy Tognazzini, who is still Mm -hmm. a mentor Mm -hmm. to this day, and helped us. And then, so they got the recipe to the beans, and then they would ask how to prepare the meat. So yeah never thinking that anyone locally would buy a seasoning blend because everybody, you know, would have their own little yeah. concoction. And so we did that and um, went to Williams Brothers Market and yes. they put it in the meat department and that was, and then Costco came to town and put it in their <sighs> meat department when they started the fresh meat program here. And it just exploded, you yep. know, and it's... Um, so over the years, you know, I've had to educate myself more on Santa Maria style yeah. barbecue. And a lot of the things that you don't think about that you just um, innately know, but you don't know why. You've never asked the well, question. Well, having grown <laughs> up here, I mean, I'll, I'll agree with you and say um, when I went away, I lived on the East Coast for a while. And, you know, when people would talk about a grill, it was like, what is a grill? Uh-huh. Um, I did not actually understand what that meant. And when people talked about barbecue as this long, you know, you have to (laughs) get the pit and the thing sits in there for however, like overnight and stuff like that, I did not understand. And it took a while to realize that those, those not cast iron, I guess they are cast iron, the, the barbecues that we see Mm -hmm. everywhere with the screen and the crank. Well, I thought that was just what a barbecue right. was. I exactly. had no idea. And then coming back um, and also marrying somebody who's not from here, who's like, oh, that's a Santa Maria style barbecue. What are we saying here? It's just, it, it is a given. And so yeah. not even realizing that that's a marketable thing, it, right. it goes to show how normal it, it right. is for us. And early on, I went... Um, I was an exhibitor at the um, NASF tea show up in San Francisco, the Specialty Food Association. Oh, of course, yeah. And, you know, a couple distributors came by, and they're like, 
Nobody, nobody knows what Santa Maria style barbecue is. Nobody cares. You know, it's not oh. like these exotic coffee beans or anything like well, that. That's kind I of go, true. Well, true, but um, then you know, over the years, as regional cuisine has become mm-hmm. so popular, it really found its place. And, and you know, some of the major publications picked it up, Better Homes and Gardens, and some of yeah. those bid, did back in the '80s. And I think that that all of that has amounted to where it is today you know I went I went to the um fancy food show back that was like in the early 80s Moscone Center yeah Moscone Center the fattest I've ever felt in my life I know (laughs) walking around eating (laughs) there's so much and I always wished that they would kind of um stage it so that you could do it like a meal because I was next to um chocolate candy on one side and something awful you know (laughs) delicious but certainly didn't sound good when you're trying to eat Santa Maria style barbecue no. products. But um, I got home from that trade show, and um, this was in the days before uh, we had answering machines on our yeah. phone, and this thing was just loaded. And there were all these orders, and I, unbeknownst to me, um, USA Today had run an article on, oh. on it and um, gave us a huge huge opportunity to reach out to the public and so that's amazing yeah well and I I appreciate you telling me the history of it because I actually didn't realize that it was the beans first I just assumed it was the seasoning for the meat it was the beans okay and so you had now I think about it yes I remember a cloth bag and what is the recipe on the back it is um, very simple. It was Las Palmas sauce, onions, garlic, mm-hmm. a little beef um, stock or beef bouillon or something. Um, you can add bacon. You can add uh, smoked ham hocks. You know, anything yep. that you want if you want to add meat to it. But that's what it was. It's yeah. real simple. And then the dried beans. Yeah. 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 So talk about what Santa Maria style barbecue is exactly. A lot of people think they know it or they know it and they don't realize it. How do you define what that is? I think there are a few elements that make it. I think the red oak or oak in general, um, it's well-aged beef. But it can be, you know, as you well know, chicken and all those other things. Mm-hmm. But the epitome of it is well-aged beef and seasoned properly. And I'm not saying you have to use Susie Q seasoning, <laughs> but, you know, the garlic, salt, pepper, blend, whatever your choice is. But I think, and the beans, I think the beans are a really important part of that mm. tradition. Why? Why are they important? Because they're so unique to this area. Mm-hmm. You know, on a commercial basis, I don't think you see them outside of the Central Coast. And when I say Central Coast, I I think um, occasionally you'll see someone up as far as like King City that might raise them. But on a production basis, Santa Maria is the epicenter of those. And, and, you know, it's the side dish that goes with it. It's Mm -hmm. like uh, coleslaw is with the uh, Carolinas barbecue or whatever. It's, It's the side dish. Yeah. Actually, come to think of it, that is the only side dish I think of. I mean, I know that there's garlic bread. I know there's that there's, that. Of course. Um, what's the other big thing? Mm. Well, depending, if you go back to the Santa Maria Club days, they always had macaroni and cheese. Yes. The which, Santa Maria Club. You, I've, I mean, I've studied this subject. If there's anything as a food journalist that I've done 
to the hilt at Santa Maria style barbecue because right. it's so fascinating the way it was trademarked mm-hmm. by the city. I mean, yep. you won't find like a pulled pork menu trademarked by right. wherever. Um, and so the fact that somebody had the foresight to do that and found it interesting enough and special enough to do mm-hmm. that has always really intrigued me. Yeah. Also, people get it wrong a lot. Um, the fact that you had it at Williams Brothers um, is interesting because the whole top sirloin and tri-tip mm-hmm. debate. Oh, yes. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, by the way? Well, it goes back further than top sirloin. Actually, yeah. my dad always said it was a three-rib roast, basically a small prime rib. Oh, And really? they would rot it back when he first started doing it, yes. And, you know, one thing, um, Margot True, who was the editor of Sunset, Sunset. She and I had some conversations about it over the years, and she sent me an article, I believe she sent this to me, that was from early on in the 1900s, where they were talking about this gargantuan feast they had in Los Angeles and how they cooked the meat. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was very much the same. Interesting, yeah. I should share that with you because yeah. it's really, I, I still have it. It's really, I was like, oh my gosh, there's more to this. And then, you know, you go back huh. even further and you hear about how they cook over open flame, mm-hmm. you know, in in um, Europe all the time. Yes. So, you know, maybe, maybe. Oh, I think it has Spanish roots for sure. It has sure. Spanish roots for sure. But, you know, in Italy and Switzerland, they cook yeah. like that too. So it's all a very small world. Yes, it is. <laughs> of course. Anytime you're you're putting any kind of protein over a flame, uh-huh. I mean, it's all very connected. Right. But again, Santa Maria City saying, well, we're going to stamp this yeah. and call it our own. And then it's, it's evolution through the Santa Maria Club. Uh-huh. Um, I've written about it several times and I've used Margot's article as a jumping off point in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, but I mean, I've had long conversations with Ike Seamus before mm-hmm. he died. Of course. Um, and he of course told me about Cal Palace and all the people that oh, they fed. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Santa Maria club in the homework that I've done about it. So it was this, it was a club that started, Oh, I don't know what, like it was there, we used to go there for dinner on Sunday nights, and it was there when I was a little girl. Yeah, so, so it maybe was, 30s or something? Maybe 30s or 40s, yeah. maybe after the war. Yeah. Um, but they used to have guest barbecuers. Did right. you knew that? Yes. And my dad was one of those that mm. was on one of those crews and would go. and Yeah. The cruise culture is really important too. Mm-hmm. People have their regular folks that they work with right? Um, and can count on. Cause this is a long drawn out process in terms of prepping, right. getting the, the oak to coals and um, keeping everything stoked throughout mm-hmm. the day. But uh, the Santa Maria club was a kind of, it was a cross sort of from the Santa Maria Inn. Yes. And it was a place where they had a stag night um, that was really popular, and barbecue was the thing that you ate. Um, and so Santa Maria Club, and then later the Elks, Santa Maria Elks Lodge, mm-hmm. have they have been the ones who have carried that banner. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. And I've been... But I didn't realize as a kid how special that was. We just... 
That's what we did. Ate it. <laughs> That's yeah. what we ate. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you have, I mean, you have, we're sitting at this incredibly long table, um, and it's decorated getting ready for Thanksgiving. And you mentioned that hospitality is important to you and you have a big family. Do you think that extends from the barbecue tradition? I think so. I, I That's how we were raised. And my, as I said, my parents were just such hospitable people and just loved entertaining. And um, my dad decided to make it easier for my mom and do it at the restaurant instead of that's at home. That's so, so funny. And now we're kind of just the opposite. I love to entertain at home. And, you know, as you get older, you like to stay home more. But yeah. we do a little bit of both still. Yes. Well, the space actually has a lot of, has a lot of, you know, what, what do we call it? Colonial Spanish, I guess, style, but also a lot of Italian, which is not all that different. But are you embracing your Italian heritage? I kind of call it my spaghetti Western because (laughs) I'm a little eclectic and I love, you know, this property has been in my husband's family, like I said, since, you know, the late 1800s, early Mm. 1900s. And um, we wanted something that was kind of reflective of the area, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know, pulled back a little bit. So it could yeah. just kind of pay respect to its surroundings yes. and uh, pay honor to the land that it sits on. And so that's what we did. And, you know, and then there were a lot of things that just meant a lot to us that mm. that are here with us. And so it's been something I wanted to do since I was uh, married 50 almost 54 years ago. Oh my and gosh, we, congratulations. And we, mo- we moved in, um, going, well, we're going, we're about three and a half years now. You mean here. that you, you have basically wanted this home all that time mm-hmm. and led up to I it? I didn't know exactly what it was going to be like, but we were so fortunate to um, be put in touch with some architects and landscape mm-hmm. architects that just, you know, listened a lot to yeah. what we had to say, because I just didn't know exactly in my hmm. mind. I couldn't visualize it, but they listened and they got it. Yeah, they you know? they got it. That's yeah. for sure. Is this from the restaurant? Actually, I'm looking. There's no. This... Oh, okay. It, you know, it's not, but it was intended for the restaurant. Oh um, my gosh. We had some customers at the Guadalupe restaurant that lived up in Monarch Dunes. I believe they were out yeah. of the Los Angeles area, and he was a set decorator or designer in the movie entertainment mm-hmm. industry and he had built that mirror and they were moving mm-hmm. out of the area and weren't able to take it with them because of its size and it weighs I think it, it looks like a thousand a billion pounds <laughs> yes. yes and so we bought it thinking we could use it in the new building mm-hmm. and when we um, tried it all of the sconces were too close together in oh, the new building so fit we it put it back in storage and decided to bring it home. It's not, it's one of those pieces that you only want one thing like that. Yes, house. exactly. It's, and for the listener, you know I mean, this is a big, it's a big mirror, but it's more than that. It almost looks like it, it, it belongs over a side table and it has yeah. huge steer horns. Am I saying that right? Right. Okay. They are. <laughs> no, it just. Beautiful though, but it looks like something that belongs yeah. In far western, and most everyone that comes here asks that question. Oh, how <laughs> go, funny! That I mean, I had to, room? right? It yeah. should have been. Maybe someday it will be, but not right at the moment. So. Well, the land that we're sitting on right now, 
Is this, I mean, was this part of a land grant that your family wound the, up with? Um, it's a very small part of the Rancho Todos Santos, which is a land grant. Um, they uh, bought the surface rights. There was a lot of oil production sure. in this area, and Paul's grandfather bought the surface rights back, like, right, I think, like, 1907 or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And they've been here. You know, my husband was raised here, and um, his father was raised here. Hmm. And uh, now our grandchildren are being raised here. So, it, yeah. Oh, on on this property. On this property, they oh. all live right down below where you came up the oh, hill. Cool. Yeah, That's it is. So cool. We're blessed in that regard. Yeah. So you mentioned that um, your daughter is running Susie Q's more mm-hmm. or less now. Yes. How was that transitioning out of being the? the point person. And when did uh, that happen? It happened um, the year we moved in, which was 2020. We, it was right at the height of COVID. Mm. Um, it was way easier than I thought it would be. Was it? And, but, you know, I'm still involved, all major decisions and, you know, the design part of it, which I love the most. Um, yeah. She still comes to me for those things when we have to do special projects and stuff. So I am involved, but the day-to-day operations, I'm just in the way because yeah. all of the systems have changed from when I used to do it by myself and everything was, you know, fax machines and right. uh, mail order catalogs and all of those things. I'm really dating myself, but it's all true. <laughs> you know, it's funny, on, on these episodes, talking with people who have had legendary impacts on food around here, I spoke with Catania Brothers, mm-hmm. and they talked a lot about you know, the, the catalog that used to go out. And I mean, this is, of course, this is part of the, the progression of moving into modern age. Right. And I was lucky that I, I was involved like in the mid nineties when, um, you know, we developed a website and all that, you know, not all businesses had them then. And it, Mm um, I was on the front end of all of that, but like I said, the process is now the way they, um, process the orders you know we use amazon as a marketing channel you know the marketing channels are just completely different than when yeah. i was doing it wow. so and it's all good stuff i mean it may it's just makes the world a smaller place and more accessible to yes. everyone so. right but also noisier noisier yes yeah. yeah there's some disadvantages but hopefully the advantages outweigh them yeah, and you've established, I mean, your name and the brand have been out there. It's not like you're scrambling to to find a position. You no, have it. Right, and I've always, um, as you know, in talking with me, you probably have figured out that my family's pretty important to me. Yeah. And I always tried to find that balance where I, I know the business could have been bigger mm-hmm. and better, probably, but I kept it manageable where I could raise my children, mm-hmm. be involved in my husband's business and the restaurant. And, you know, I just found the place that I was most comfortable. Yeah. Maybe lazy. I don't know. No, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, that's something that if I can talk about my own personal stuff, I, I'm the mother of a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old, and they are now able to make their own breakfast, and they kind of take care of themselves in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. And we live um, in an area of San Luis Obispo that's very, like, they can walk almost anywhere and get things for themselves. 
it's been a hard transition for me, I'm finding, and, and it's an ongoing transition of trying to find my place with both work and parenting. It's, it's in transition, and that's generally uncomfortable for me. But they need me now as much as ever, but in different kinds of ways. Right. And I'm so happy that things like what I'm doing here with you are so flexible that I can... Mm-hmm manage a business and manage them. But sometimes I feel like I'm doing both, you know, both 100%. Right. Multitasking. I think a mom's work is never done in that department. But I don't know, as we got older and we traveled more and, you know, in Europe, they're just so kicked back and they think that Mm -hmm. all of us Americans just worry too much about business and everything. They're right. You know, (laughs) there's just more to be said than chasing chasing bigger and better all the time. Sometimes you just have to find your niche and stay in your lane. Yeah. Well, you mentioned growth. Um, So it started with just you behind the phone. Just me. And now how many people are involved? Um, Let's see. There are three, four full-time employees. Wow. Um, Yeah. There's two in the office, uh, one that's out on the road and one that packs. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, we do most of our things are co-packed. We use co-packers that mm-hmm. take our recipe and blend it and put it in the jars. In the beginning, all that was done by hand. And, yeah, with um, a, t- a little tablespoon. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, not right here, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, they keep it going. And another beautiful thing about the modern age and all of the new systems is that it doesn't take as many people, you know, yeah. to do the same amount of work. So Right. Yeah, blessing also difficult, mm-hmm. like hard to navigate mm-hmm. how to do that. Yeah. Um, how have you seen hospitality, which is such a huge, a huge word within... I would say Santa Maria in general, but Santa Maria barbecue. How have you seen that change as you've lived here your whole life? Hmm. In, in what regard? In, um, I don't know. The physical part of it or, or, or attitudes toward attitudes to it. Yeah. Like, um, you know, we mentioned serving 3000 people. Mm Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen as much anymore, does it? No. Not at that scale. No. I I don't believe they still have... Well, Cow Palace, is it... Do they still? I don't think they but have I mean the... in general. In general, I think that, I think that more people... It's, more a, it's a part of more people's lives mm-hmm. than it used to be mm-hmm. here. And I think there's so much... Well, the wine industry has brought so many people that... Right new people to the area to visit or to live and I think they've all embraced it and yep. I think that's been good um, I I know that um, it's an entirely different demographic that usually gravitates towards that but I mm-hmm. think the more they get to know mm-hmm. Santa Maria style and its authenticity mm-hmm. I think it's embraced I think you're right right yeah I think you're totally right right I started out interested in wine, but that always leads to food. I mean, they're not independent of one another. And it 
traced me right back to here with barbecue. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, it's one of the, we import a lot of things here. We import the idea and the concept of making wine and, mm -hmm. um, or at least we've reintroduced it, but barbecue has been here all along. Right. And, uh, so it's fun getting to know that and exploring it as though it is a, you know, an artifact of right. living here. And I think that the people, like I said, the people that come from out of the area are really interested in it. Yeah. Maybe thought they knew what it was, but found out maybe they didn't know exactly the mm -hmm. right story. But it's been fun over the years. I've been invited to speak to um, uh, the, at the Pinot, World of Pinot one oh, year. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, they had a Santa Maria style dinner and I think it was interpreted by the chef at the Bacara. It, yes. And it was a spin on on it, but really well done and really interesting and so there's been a couple opportunities like that where I've got to be face to face with some of the people that have really deep burning questions about, you know, yeah. the nitty-gritty of it. So But again, it's so simple, right? I know. It's, it's, it's it making is. a lot about yeah. something very simple. But when yeah. it's good, it's right. outrageously. And good. it's and I think if anything, going back to your original question is how it's changed. I think that it's it's now seen as a lifestyle mm -hmm. rather than just a meal. Yeah. The whole Santa Maria barbecue concept, it's a lifestyle. It's, mm -hmm. you know, living on the central coast, living under the oaks, eating this laid back, wonderful meal with your family that is, you know, it's not pretentious. It's just, it's, it's, it's real. It's just an authentic thing. Yeah, it is real. Um, I assume, of course, that you know about the reinvigorated stagnite that happens around I town. do. I've heard about it. I, well, I am really, really proud to say I'm one of the few women who've been able to go. Good for you. I know, because I was trying to write a story about it at one time, and um, there, there's something so, I know it's probably not new to a lot of people, but in my generation, it's rare that people stand up when you walk in a room, mm -hmm. that they take their hat off for you. I have never been treated so well in my life as when I went and to this stag night out at, um, I can't remember, Ranch Off 166, and stood by the barbecue, which they were surprised I cared, you know, standing there. <laughs> they were like, don't you want to be inside with the wine or something like that? And I said, no, 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 this is exactly where I want to be. But cutting, you know, cutting the tips off of these big hunks of meat and, and handing it to me on like a spike, and they just kept feeding me. It was so wonderful. Um, and I guess that's the kind of hospitality that, I don't know, what you're saying about it being a lifestyle, that rings true for me. The lifestyle of taking care of people mm -hmm. and, uh, and at that scale, I think that was a big part oh, of yeah. it too. Yeah. It's, it is a great way to feed a crowd, you know, a huge yeah. crowd. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that you... Um, first of all, invited me here. It's a real treat, and the wind is going crazy it is quite outside. Quite a day out there. Yeah, but um, I appreciate you letting me come and talk to you about this career that you know, whether you know it or not, has really been influential and has changed the way the world thinks about the food that we make here. Well, I 
I, as I said in the beginning, we've just been so fortunate to have the support of the entire Central Coast. You know, it's mm. we would be nowhere without our loyal customers and people who have taken an interest. So thank you yes, very much. Yes, of course. Let me ask you the question I ask everybody at the end. If it were your last day on earth and you were like, I have really done a good job on earth. I'm really happy with the way I've lived my life. What would you eat and what would you drink and who would be there? And um, there's no right answer. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with dessert. I would have a Grand Marnier souffle. Ooh. Um, Wait, what is that? Uh, just a souffle made with Grand Marnier. It's oh. got a very orange flavor to it. I, one Num. of my favorite desserts. Um, I would have some very good uh, sparkling or champagne. Could be California sparkling or champagne. Yes, I, very um, fair. Yeah, I love them all. <laughs> um, some really wonderful Pinot. Um, I would love a filet. <laughs> with um, Bernays sauce. Oh, love the <laughs> cream sauce on steak. We don't eat enough of that. Maybe crab Oscar, you oh. know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was that was the first meal we had in this home. On, no. my, on my 70th birthday, they surprised me, and we had just moved in like the day or two before, and that's what we had. Oh, that's a good Should, meal. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. And then who's going to be there? And you can have anybody. <sighs> Oh, well, my family, of course. Mm -hmm. And along with that, I can have anybody yep. worldly and... Anybody. My mom and dad. Yeah, I was thinking that maybe my they'd be My mom and here. dad, yeah. Um, trying to think. There's a lot of famous people I admire, but I can't think right now <laughs> who I'd want to come to my dinner. <laughs> well, you have your family, including people who have raised you and the ones that you're raising and, and have raised, so... yeah. Well, thank you, Susie. I appreciate thank you. you having me over. It's so nice to meet you. You too. Come back when we can sit down and yes. eat. Yes. <laughs> Feed me. Yep. Thank you. That's it for another conversation on the Consumed Podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Sign up for the newsletter at letsgetconsumed.com and follow along on Instagram at consumed.podcast. This podcast is edited by Chris Lambert and produced by me, Jamie Lewis. Until next time, thanks for listening.